June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customize paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. really think I'd call Russia to help me with an election. Give me a break. After two years, President Trump is back on 60 Minutes, talking about his accomplishments. We were going to war with North Korea. Now, you don't hear that. And controversies. How did you get home? I don't remember. How'd you get there? I don't remember. Where is the place? I don't remember. How many years ago was it? I don't know. I don't know. You mimicked Professor Blasey Ford. You mimicked her. And had I not made that speech, we would not have won. In a wide-ranging interview, and what have you learned since you've been president? I always used to say the toughest people are Manhattan real estate guys and blah, blah. Now I say they're babies. (laughs) Who's the toughest? The political people. This is the most deceptive, vicious world. It is vicious. It's full of lies, deceit, and deception. To catch Joel Sartori in action, we flew halfway around the world. What makes a great picture? Emotion. We're looking for the eyes. We're primates and we're really, really responsive to eyes. But you shoot them like they're models. We do, like they're going in for their high school senior portrait. He's trying to photograph every animal, bird, fish, reptile, and insect in captivity. He calls his project the photo arc. In the Bible, the ark 
saves all the creatures on Earth. Yeah. Is that your goal? Giddy up. Every one of them. I'm Steve Croft. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Scott Pelley. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm Bill Whitaker. Those stories tonight on 60 Minutes. What's your next adventure? Everyone deserves a chance to do what they love. Pacific Life helps you reach financial goals while you go after your personal ones. Plans change over time and your financial solutions can too. Pacific Life has a variety of financial solutions that can help you complement your life goals and passions while managing the uncertainties. Backed by more than 150 years of experience, you can count on Pacific Life to be there so you can go out and keep living your best life. Pacific Life is one of the most dependable and experienced insurers in the industry and has been named one of the 2019 world's most ethical companies by the Ethisphere Institute. The freedom to go after whatever is next for you, that's the power of Pacific. Ask a financial professional about how Pacific Life can help give you the freedom to do what you love or visit www.pacificlife.com. Americans vote in next month's midterm elections, it's likely President Trump and his agenda will be motivating them as much as any candidate or local issue on the ballot. Almost two years ago, when we last interviewed then-President-elect Trump, he seemed surprised he had won, not that he'd ever admit that to us. Well, when we sat down with him this past Thursday in the White House, we found him confident and boastful as he told us he has learned on the job. He was eager to joust over the issues of the day, the economy, China and Russia, and of course, fake news. But we started with very real news, the suspected murder of a Saudi journalist and the catastrophe of Hurricane Michael, which has devastated parts of the Florida panhandle, claiming at least 19 lives and leaving hundreds of thousands without power across the southeast. Michael comes on the heels of a series of superstorms. Florence in the Carolinas, Maria in Puerto Rico, Harvey in Texas. Do you still think that climate change is a hoax? Look, I think something's happening, something's changing, and it'll change back again. I don't think it's a hoax. I think there's probably a difference, but... I don't know that it's man-made. I will say this. um, I don't want to give trillions and trillions of dollars. I don't want to lose millions and millions of jobs. I don't want to be put at a disadvantage. I wish you could go to Greenland, uh, watch these huge chunks of ice just falling into the ocean, raising the sea levels. And you don't know whether or not that would have happened with or without man. You don't know. Well, your scientists, your scientists at no, NOAA and NASA. we have, we have NASA. scientists that disagree with that. You know, I, I was thinking, what if he said, no, I've seen the hurricane situations. I've changed my mind. There really is climate change. And I thought, wow, what an impact. What an impact well, that denying, would make. I'm not denying climate change. But it could very well go back. You know, we're talking about well, over millions of years. It. They say that we had hurricanes that were far worse than what we just had with Michael. Who says that? They say. You mean well, the people, people say? On the people phone? say that in the. Yeah, but what about ninth? the scientists who say it's worse than ever? Uh, you'd have to show me the scientists because they have a very big political agenda, Leslie. I can't Look, bring them. Scientists in. also have a political agenda. Jamal Khashoggi. 
the journalist, the yes. Saudi journalist, yes. was he murdered by the Saudis, and did the prince give the order to kill him? Well, nobody knows yet, but we'll probably be able to find out. It's being investigated. It's being looked at very, very strongly. And we would be very upset and angry if that were the case. As of this moment, they deny it, and they not deny it vehemently. Could it be them? Yes. Jared, your yeah. son-in-law, yeah. got on the phone and asked the prince, did he, what, did he deny it? Did he? They deny it. They deny it every way you can imagine. In the not-too-distant future, I think we'll know an answer. What are your options? Let's say they did. What are your options? Would you consider imposing sanctions as a bipartisan group of senators have proposed? Well, it depends on what the sanction is. I'll give you an example. They are ordering military equipment. Everybody in the world wanted that order. Russia wanted it. China wanted it. We wanted it. We got it. So would you cut that off? Do I, well, I'll tell you what I don't want to do. Boeing, Lockheed, Raytheon, all these I don't want to hurt jobs. I don't want to lose an order like that. There are other ways of uh, punishing. punishing, to use a word that's a pretty harsh word, but it's true. Tell everybody what's at stake here. You know, th this well, is... Well, there's a, a lot at stake. Yeah. There's a lot at stake, and maybe especially so because this man was a reporter. There's something, you'll be surprised to hear me say that, there's something really terrible and disgusting about that if that were the case. So we're going to have to see. We're going to get to the bottom of it, and there will be severe punishment. You've had a string of wins lately. Yeah. Uh, let's see, the economy, uh, the, de the trade deal right. with Canada and Mexico, Kavanaugh, and South Korea, and South Korea, and Kavanaugh, the confirmation. There has been no administration in the history of our country, and I say this openly and proudly, that in its first say this two modestly. years... Well, it's not even that. It's, it's a fact. Uh, tax cuts, regulation cuts, the biggest regulation cuts in history. We've, what about North Korea? We're talking about Well, I consider it a, so far, great achievement. Look, we... When you say so far. It's always so far until everything's done. I, I, you know, deals are deals, okay? Whether it's a real estate deal or a retail deal, it doesn't matter. But I will say this. The day before I came in, we were going to war with North Korea. I sat with President Obama. We were going to and war? We were going to. I think it was going to end up in war. And my impression is, and even in my first few months, I mean, that rhetoric was as tough as it could possibly get. It doesn't get any tougher than that. Nobody's ever heard rhetoric that tough. We were going to war with North Korea. Now, you don't hear that. You don't hear any talk of it. And he doesn't want to go to war. And we don't want to go to war. And he understands denuclearization. And he's agreed to it. And you see that. He's agreed to it. Do no you missiles. trust him? I do trust him. Yeah, I trust him. That doesn't mean I can't be proven wrong. Why would that. you trust him? Well, first of all, if I didn't trust him, I wouldn't say that to you. Wouldn't I be foolish to tell you right here on 60 Minutes? Well, wonderful remember show? what Reagan said. Trust but verify. Sure, I know. It's, it's a very true. But the fact is, I do trust him. But we'll see what happens. But is it true that they haven't gotten rid of a single weapon, and they may actually be building more missiles. They want to, and I will tell you that they're closing up sites. But is what I said out. true, that they haven't? Well, nobody uh, really knows. I mean, people are saying that. Yeah. Uh, I've actually said that, and nobody really knows. But they're still knows. building missiles, more missiles? I, we don't really know, Leslie. We really don't know. But 
I assume, suspect let's that? Let's say the answer is yes. Okay. okay. Let's In the meantime, they haven't tested a missile. They haven't tested a rocket. They definitely haven't done a nuclear test, because you know about them real fast. It sort of moves the Earth. And we have a relationship now. One of the things that Kim has asked for is for you to ease the sanctions. We haven't done that. Are you prepared to do no. that? No. What, what does he have to do no, before you... No, I'm not doing it. This isn't the Obama administration. I haven't eased the sanctions. I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. We're meeting. I believe he likes me. I like him. We have a good relationship. It's very important. And then we fell in love. Okay? No, really. He wrote me beautiful letters. And they're great letters. We fell in love. I want to read you his resume. Okay? He presides over a cruel kingdom of repression, gulags, starvation, uh, reports that he had his half-brother assassinated, slave labor, public executions. This is a guy you love. I know all these things. I mean, I'm not a baby. I know know, all these things. I know, but why do you love that guy? Look, look. Hmm. I I get along with him, okay? But you said you love him. Okay, that's it's just like a figure embra- speech. No, it's like an embrace. You, you, well, let it be an embrace. Let it be whatever yeah, it is to get the job done. He's a bad guy. Look, let it be whatever it is. I get along with him really well. I have a good energy with him. I have a good chemistry with him. Look at the horrible threats that were made. No more threats. No more threats. China. I get along with him. That's very important. China. China. Let's go. Skipping across the world here. You've slapped a lot of... Tariffs on $250 billion. Going to do more? Might. Might. Depends. Round three? They want to negotiate, Leslie. They want to negotiate. Are you ready? Look. Are you ready to? I have a great chemistry also with President Xi of China. I don't know that that's necessarily going to continue. I told President Xi we cannot continue to have China take $500 billion a year out of the United States in the form of trade and other things. And how, how... And I said, we can't do that. And we're not going to do that anymore. How much squeezing of them are you prepared to do when American products are going to be more expensive for American consumers okay. in the end of all this? So, so far, that hasn't turned out to be the case. Right. If you think about it, so far, I put 25% tariffs on steel dumping and aluminum dumping, 10%. But again. they've retaliated. That's what I'm asking. They can about. retaliate, but they can't. They don't have enough ammunition to retaliate. We do $100 billion with them. They do $531 billion with us. Are you trying to sort of push them into a depression? No, no. Although they're down 32% in four months, which is 1929. Well, that's what I don't I'm want asking. That. No, I don't want that. I want them to negotiate a fair deal with us. I want them to open their markets like our, our markets are open. But you're and in a trade war deal, really. right now. Trade uh, war. You call it a war. I don't you, call it a you war. Co- you did today. I call it a skirmish. I heard you. You called it a war. I call it, actually, I called it a battle. But actually, I'm going to lower that. I consider it a skirmish. And we're going to win. You have also slapped some tra- tariffs on our allies. Well, I mean, what's an ally? We have wonderful relationships with a lot of people, but nobody treats us much worse than the European Union. The European Union was formed in order to take advantage of us on trade, and that's what they've done. But this is hostile. And yet they, it's not hostile. It sounds hostile. You know what's hostile? The way they treat us. We're not hostile. No, but can't you deal with it? We've been, we've been, 
the stupid country for so many years. Are you willing to get rid of that Western alliance? Now, I like NATO. NATO's fine. But you know what? We shouldn't be paying almost the entire cost of NATO to protect Europe. And then on top of that, they take advantage of us on trade. They're not going to do it anymore. They understand that. Okay, but are you... Yeah, it does seem this. Are you willing to disrupt the Western alliance? It's been going for 70 years. It's kept the peace for 70 years. You don't know that. You don't know that. I don't know what. You don't know that. Is it true, General Mattis said to you, the reason for NATO and the reason for all these alliances is to prevent World War III? No, it's not true. Frankly, I like General Mattis. I think I know more about it than he does. And I know more about it from the standpoint of fairness. That I can tell you. I'm going to try one more time. Okay. I know, unless you don't have to try it again. I know exactly what you're saying. Well, answer my question. The answer is this. I will always be there with NATO, but they have to pay their way. I'm fully in favor of NATO, but I don't want to be taken advantage of. Putin. Yeah. Okay. Um, People don't understand why you never have a harsh word for Vladimir Putin. Okay, you ready? I don't understand. I have been... You don't know what I talked about with Putin in the meeting prior to the press conference? I mean, publicly. You never say anything harsh about him publicly. Excuse me, I didn't. I'm the one that gave Ukraine offensive weapons and tank killers. Obama didn't. You know what he sent? He sent pillows and blankets. I'm the one, and he's the one, that gave away a part of Ukraine, where Russia now has this... I mean, him personally. Vladimir Putin. I think I'm very tough with him personally. I had a meeting with him, the two of us. Yeah. Okay. It was a very tough meeting, and it was a very good meeting. Do you agree that Vladimir Putin is involved in assassinations, in poisonings? Probably he is, yeah. Probably. I mean, I don't... Probably? Do, probably, but I rely on them. It's not in our country. Okay, why, why not? They shouldn't do it. This is a terrible thing. Of course Instead, they shouldn't do it. You okay, that's believe, the do you believe that the Russians interfered in the 2016 campaign, uh, election? Well, election. I, they, they meddled, but I think China meddled, too. But and why I think do you other say countries, China meddled, And you too? want to know something why else? Do you say China, why don't you just say the you. Russians meddled? Because I think China meddled also. And I think, frankly, China... This is, is a bigger problem. You're t- diverting the whole Russian I'm thing. I'm not doing you anything. Are, I'm are. saying Russia, but I'm also saying China. But it's the investigation of Russia's intervention in the 2016 election that hangs over his presidency and caused a rift with his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, because he recused himself from the inquiry. What about the attorney general, Jeff Sessions? Well, we'll see what happens come midterms, but... But look. everybody thinks... He, I was disappointed that he recused himself, and many people think I was right on that. I was very disappointed. Why should he have recused himself? So, so I was very disappointed, so but assume, we'll see what happens. Can I assume he's gone? No, no, you can't assume that. Will you, um, will you pledge, pledge that you will not shut down the Mueller investigation? Well, I, I don't pledge anything. But I will tell you, I have no intention of doing that. I think it's a very unfair investigation because there was no collusion of any kind. But you won't there is pledge? No collusion. I don't want to pledge. Why should I pledge to you? If I pledge, I'll pledge. I don't have to pledge to you, but well, I have no intention of doing that. To date, 32 people have been charged or pled guilty in special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. President Trump's campaign chairman, top campaign aide, 
former national security advisor and longtime personal attorney are all cooperating in the inquiry the president calls a witch hunt. Do you really think I'd call Russia to help me with an election? Give me a break. They wouldn't be able to help me at all. Call Russia. It's so ridiculous. One thing the president loves to talk about, and for good reason, is the economy. Consumer confidence is higher than it's been in nearly two decades. And unemployment at 3.7% is the lowest in nearly 50 years. And yet, there's an ugly mood in the air. We're a country torn by angry, bitter, partisan divisions. And there are many who say the president isn't helping. We talked with the president about that, the contentious Kavanaugh hearings, questions of chaos in his administration, and his record so far. So you've been president for almost two years. Is there anything that you wish you hadn't said, anything you wish you hadn't done? Do you have any regrets? So when I won the presidency, I thought, I, I, the press treats me terribly. I thought very strongly that you know, the one great thing will happen is the press will start treating me great. Lastly, they treat me worse. They got worse instead of better. Very dishonest. Okay, is this your, what you regret? I regret that the press treats me so badly. I'm, I'm really asking. And you, despite that, my poll numbers are very good. Have so. you made any mistakes? That's my question. Everybody makes mistakes. And what have been yours? I could have been uh, earlier with terminating the NAFTA deal. The problem was I was getting to know the leaders. I was getting to know countries. I didn't want to do it right out of the box. So I waited a little while, but I could have done trade a little bit earlier. What about the forced separation of children from their migrant children? Yeah, from well, that their... was the same as the Obama law. You know, Obama had the same thing. It, it was on the books, but he didn't enforce it. You no, enforced no. it. You launched that the zero tolerance policy be to deter families with children No, but then in. everybody decided, and the courts don't want separation. And frankly, when you don't do separate, when you allow the parents to stay together, okay, when you allow that, then what happens is people are going to pour into our country. So are you going to go back to that? Well, we're looking at a lot of things. Really, what we want to do is change the immigration laws, because they're, they're a laughing stock all over the world. Are you willing, though? I think you're saying you're, it's under consideration. No, I want all the laws changed. The there have to be consequences, Leslie, for coming into our country illegally. And part of the, I mean, part of the reason I have to blame myself, the economy is so strong that everybody wants to come into the United States. Can I just ask this simple question, yes or no? Go ahead. Are you willing to reinstitute that policy? You said we're looking at everything. Yes I will, I will only, or no. I can't, you can't say yes or no. What I can say is this. There are consequences from coming into a country, namely our country, illegally. I'm not going to ask it again. You don't have you to. Okay. But it's the same as Obama. Okay. Changing subjects again. You are the first president of the United States who never had a political post before, or never served in the military. You come up here, you've been here for almost two years. What's the biggest surprise? And what have you learned since you've been president? Okay, so I always used to say the toughest people are Manhattan real estate guys and blah, blah. Now I say they're babies. <laughs> Who's they're the babies. toughest? The political people. This is the most deceptive, vicious world. It is vicious, it's full of lies, deceit, and deception. 
you make a deal with somebody and it's like making a deal with uh, that table. Give me an example. Well, I don't want to give you an example. I'm not looking at it. In the meantime, nobody's been able to do what I've been able to do. Remember that. When you look at taxes, you look at regulations, you look at uh, making deals with other countries, nobody's been able to do anything like this. Actually, most people didn't even try because they knew they didn't have the ability to do it. But it's a very deceptive world. The other thing I've really learned is I never knew how dishonest the media was. I, I, I really mean it. I'm not saying that as a soundbite. I never I, I can, knew how I'm, dishonest. I'm going to change the subject again. Well, no, but even the way you asked me a question, like about separation. Yeah. When I say Obama did it, you don't want to talk about no, it. No. When I say I your, did it, let's make a big I'm going to run your answer, but you did it four times. I'm so. just telling you that you treated me much differently on the subject. I disagree, but I don't want to have that fight with you. Hey, it's right, okay. We have another fight with Leslie, you. Leslie, okay. it's okay. In the meantime, right. I'm president We're and you're not. It's a presidency like no other. He's redefined the office with a governing style that's more freewheeling, in-your-face New York... Please sit down. ...than buttoned-up Washington. Right now, we're in a great position. He's not shy about trumpeting his victories, but some have come with a cost. This country is divided, polarized. Within families, there aren't even people who can talk to each other. What does this say about where we are as a country right now? All this division and yeah. strife and anger. I think anger. that what's going to happen, I think the economy is bringing people together. It was very polarized under President Obama, unbelievably polarized under President Obama. I can see the country uniting. I can see it. We have people, Democrats, who behaved horribly during the Judge Kavanaugh. You, you, you know what I'm saying. But when you During the that, hearings for the Supreme Court, we had senators that behaved horribly. But when you won, you won. No, no one is going to argue with that. I won. You won. I and won. then, after you won, instead of saying, oh, let's all come together, this is wonderful, let's heal all of this, you come out and bash the Democrats. Well, I bashed their attitude. I bashed their but statements. But why not try to bring us together? Because they were so unfair to Judge Kavanaugh. I've never not, seen anything like why it. Why not try to... We need to be healed. We need... I don't think they want to heal yet, I'll be honest. Well, you don't I think, want to heal yet. I, I, I saw Hillary Clinton made a really nasty statement. I don't think they want to be healed. I do want to heal. I'm not, I'm not talking about Democrats. I'm talking about the country. You go out and you go to Mississippi. The famous Mississippi speech. I had one beer. Well, do you think it was... Nope, it was one beer. Oh, good. How did you get home? I don't remember. How'd you get there? I don't remember. Where is the place? I don't remember. How many years ago was it? I don't know. And you mimicked Professor Blasey Ford. You mimicked her. Had I not made that speech, we would not have won. I was just saying she didn't seem to know anything. No, you and you're trying to destroy a life of a man who has been extraordinary. Why did you have to make fun of her? I didn't really make fun. Well, they were laughing. What I said is, the person that we're talking about didn't know the year, the time, the place. Professor Blasey Ford got before the Senate and, and was asked, what's the worst moment? And she said, when the two boys laughed at me, at my expense. Okay. And then I watched you mimic her, and thousands of people were laughing at her. They can do what they... I, I will tell you, the way now Justice Kavanaugh was treated has become a big factor in the midterms. Have you seen what's gone on with the polls? But did you have to... 
Well, I think she was treated with great respect. I'll, I know, I'll but, be honest. But, but do you think there you are those that think she with, shouldn't have been? Do you think you treated her with great respect? I think so. Yeah, I did. But you seem to be saying that she lied. Uh, well, you know what? I'm not going to get into it because we won. It doesn't matter. Well, we won. Ever since the Mississippi speech, he's been out campaigning, rallying his supporters for the midterm elections. But back in Washington, he's had to deal with reports of internal strife in his administration. The anonymous column that ran in the New York Times, yeah. the author, we don't whoever know what it is, whoever maybe it was the New York Times too, paints a no, picture. No, but by the way, you don't know how dishonest the New York Times is. It could have been the New York Times. I doubt it. Okay. But it could have been. I doubt it. It too. also could have been anywhere. Well, don't count on it. It also could have been anyone of 3,000 people. The anonymous op-ed column told of a resistance within the Trump administration who've questioned his fitness for office. You have said that this administration is like a smooth running machine. And yet we keep hearing that the White House is in chaos. It's wrong. It's so false. It's fake news. I'm changing things around and I'm entitled to. I have people now on standby that will be phenomenal. They'll come into the administration. They'll be phenomenal. More people going to go? Yeah, other people will go, sure. Because so many people. You have a kind of a record of look, on turnover. Look, I think I have a great cabinet. There are some people that I'm not happy with. Who are you not no, happy I don't want to say that. But come on. No, I don't want to say that. But I have some people that I'm not thrilled with, and I have other people that I'm beyond thrilled with. What about General Mattis? Is he going to leave? Well, I don't know. He hasn't told me that. You I have a very good relationship with him. It could be that he is. I think he's sort of a Democrat, if you want to know the truth. But General Mattis is a good guy. We get along very well. He may leave. I mean, at some point, everybody leaves. Everybody. People leave. That's Washington. The First Lady, yes. Melania, she said that there are still people in the White House that she doesn't trust and that you shouldn't trust. I feel the same way. I don't trust everybody in the White House, I'll be honest with you. You go to a meeting, do you have to wonder? Is he wearing a wire? I'm usually guarded. Not so much a wire. I'm usually guarded, and I think I'm guarded anyway. But I'm not saying I trust everybody in the White House. I'm not a baby. It's a tough business. This is a, this is a vicious place. Washington, D.C. is a vicious, vicious place. The attacks, the, the bad-mouthing, the speaking behind your back. But, you know, in my way, I feel very comfortable here. It takes a president a while to find his sea legs. I think so. I mean, I felt comfortable at the beginning, other than it was a little surreal to say I'm the president of the United States, but I think that's true with everybody. POTUS. Now I very much feel like POTUS. I do. I feel like the president. You know, for a little while, it's like, uh, Mr. President, sir, it's even my friends, they call me, they, they don't call me Donald Lemon, they call me Mr. President. I say, will you please loosen up? I've learned on the job, I have. And you feel comfortable. I feel very comfortable, yeah. Joel Sartori, an acclaimed National Geographic photographer, is a man on a mission. He's trying to photograph every species, every animal, bird, fish, reptile, and insect in captivity. Sartori sides with scientists who estimate half the species alive today could be extinct by the end of this century. So he travels to zoos around the world to take pictures of what we're losing and to ignite conservation efforts to prevent extinctions. He calls his project 
the photo arc. On this arc, the animals go in one by one. He's beautiful, isn't he? To catch Joel Sartori in action, we flew halfway around the world to the Philippines, home to hundreds of unique species. Flew 20 hours to get here. Mm-hmm. And you came all this way to take a picture of a Palawan stink badger. Absolutely. Absolutely. Boy, is he stinky. He's smaller than a skunk, but smells worse. He's part badger, part skunk, and he fired a reeking rocket oh. after he entered the photo cage. How could something that cute be that stinky? It smelled so terrible that the next animal to leave the red carpet and head into the photo cage, a rare Palawan binturan, took one whiff, smelled stink badger stink, and backed out. <laughs> Sartori said he should have photographed the stink badger last, but the little stinker is a pungent prize. There's nobody else coming along to photograph a stink badger. I'm the only one. And that's the case for 90% of the species I photograph, maybe 95%. These are things that nobody will ever know existed if it weren't for the photo arc. If they could just see how beautiful this thing is, they would care. Can't get that other light. Joel cares so much, he spends half the year traveling the world. We saw him work 12-hour days in stifling, humid, 100-degree heat. Okay, let's switch to white. It was tough for us just watching him build pop-up studios, switching between backdrops of black and white. Why did you decide to use either black or white backgrounds? There are no distractions in these pictures. It's just the animal and you. And that animal's often looking you in the eye. That's when it all works. Here's what happened years ago when Joel tried to photograph a chimp. He spent more than an hour taping up the white background. So now doesn't this look nice? More than an hour for this. Animals can be frustrating and dangerous, like this fierce Luzon warty pig, found only on a few Philippine islands. Handlers had herded him into a makeshift photo pen. Joel got as close as he dared, lying in a trough usually used for pig waste. The tusks are sharp. The yeah, hooves are sharp. I, I, you know what? I'm concentrating. I got, I got a lot to do. Beyond the tusks and hooves, this pig packs a mean temper. You've heard the expression, when pigs fly, watch. <laughs> like a cow jumping over the moon, except it was a pig. Let's see if I got it. I've never had that happen, ever. He's sharp, you can see him. We're done, that's good. Yes. We got our picture, we don't ever need to photograph this species again. All right, yeah, let's, let's get But then there was Trixie, perhaps the world's sweetest orangutan. We met her not far from the mean-spirited pig at the Avalon Zoo outside Manila. And we're just gonna let her see the flash. So far, so good. The key question, would Trixie move in front of the white background? Do you think she would want to stand over there and get her picture? She's amazing. Awesome. Look at that. Oh, sweet girl. It's like a cover girl. <laughs> if she lays down to look at you, you get down with her. You just lay down on the ground and eye level. She was completely calm. Later, Sartori showed us his favorite Trixie shots at National Geographic headquarters in Washington. 
So what do you think she's thinking? I think she was just thinking, you know, is there a banana in this somewhere for me? <laughs> a mango? Let's go in there and get, get her on black. Very nice, very nice. I like the one on white better, I think. It's more direct. It's more like she's, she's involved. She's a partner in the process. Hold, hold. Uh, I put my hand out. I wasn't quite sure she was going to take it, but yeah. she did. Yeah, it's soft. And it was soft. Yeah. yeah. That was an amazing experience. Yeah. What makes a great picture? Emotion. That's what you look for in any, in any great photograph. What's emotion in an A animal? moment. We're looking for the eyes. Humans are we're primates, and we're really, really responsive to eyes. We're all about eye contact. But you shoot them like they're models. I do, like they're going in for their high school senior portrait. Sartori shoots birds in tents so they won't fly away. This white-crowned hornbill posed like a preening pro. Completely different from Joel's first attempt to shoot this species back in the States. And ready? Yeah. So this lady, her name is Jen, not a bashful bird at all. Ow! What she didn't tell me is that bird is such a badass, he attacks her when he goes in to feed him. This is going to be one of those things where I'm back here. So I, I said, can you put that bird in my tent? She went, sure I can. This is like a $6,000 camera. Doesn't he know that? Hey, 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 hey! Ow! God, That's my blood right there. That's why he wanted to shoot a calm hornbill in the Philippines. Very nice bird. Up, up. But here, the red rat snake kept attacking. God, they're real lungy, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, he's not venomous. Yeah. Jesus. Since he bit our cameraman, Mark Laganga. <laughs> I enjoy seeing a 60 Minutes cameraman get bit instead of me. But the next snake was extremely venomous. Is that the spitter? The Palauan spitting cobra can blind you if it spits in your eye, and it can spit 10 feet. Okay. That's why Joel wore goggles. But watch how close he gets to this cobra. I always thought when they had their hood out like that, that that meant danger. Well, he's reacting to us. We're like skyscrapers to this guy. So he's going to stand up and look as big as he can. They have a space prepped already. In zoos, Sartori can shoot more than 20 species in one day. In the wild, it could take several days to get one good shot. Now, with natural habitats vanishing, some species can only be found in zoos. A lot of them only exist in zoos. They have these captive breeding programs for some of the rarest animals in the world. So when people say, well, they're down on zoos, well, they haven't seen a good zoo, and they don't know the conservation effect of good zoos. Sartori spent his first 16 years at National Geographic taking pictures in the field. He scored numerous magazine covers and endured various hardships. Yeah, that's me. That's on Alaska's North Slope. I wanted to show the insect load up there, and also I hadn't made a good picture in three days. And so the editors here will say, Joel, we can't publish your excuses. The mosquitoes, though, my God. Yeah, That's there's incredible. a lot. Yeah, my feet itch for a long time. He came up with the photo arc idea after his wife developed breast cancer. That's my son Cole and my wife Kathy. She went on chemo for um, nine months, and I was grounded. I was home for a year. So I was really worried she was not going to make it, but we all made it through. She's fine today. It's been 13 years, which is Wonderful. great. It really does make you appreciate how limited our time is.
So the, the cancer changed all of your lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and started the photo arc. It was a desperate last ditch effort to use my life for something that's worthwhile, something that could save nature. In the Bible, the ark saves all the creatures on earth. Yeah. Is, is, is that your goal? Giddy up. You bet. What makes you think you can save them with a photo? We can reach more people now than ever because we can post to National Geographic Instagram and Facebook and reach over 100 million people and do it again and again and again. His latest pictures are published periodically and they've appeared on the Empire State Building and the Vatican. Yeah, the side of St. Peter's Basilica. The Pope was sitting there watching, which was awesome. We flew with Joel to the Philippine island of Negros. Here, vast forests were cut for timber, robbing wildlife of vital habitat. Now there's hardly any lowland forest left, less than 5% here. Negros has its own type of critically endangered warty pig. This mother was saved from a hunter's snare. In the zoo, she's helping to save her species. She's got her babies. You can see that bridal marking on her snout. That's uh -huh. really definitive. Oh, really yeah. See her well. oh, yeah, that's beautiful. I think these are going to be on the ground. Joel, who spends so much time away from home, brought his daughter Ellen on this trip. So what do you think of what he's doing? I think it's extraordinary what you do? you're doing. Really? I do. Oh, you're going to make me cry. I don't cry. <laughs> I've never heard you say that. You do? Yeah. But he is gone all the time. He hasn't been to the last seven of my birthdays. Yeah. Just because my birthday is in migration season. So he's... Migration season. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So, so that's gone. a birthday yeah. buster, yeah. huh? Yeah. The next day, Sartori showed us a beetle he had spotted. I think he'd be worth putting in the photo arc. A species he hadn't shot before. So there's nothing too small for you, huh? Nothing too small. If you can see it with your eyes, we'll photograph it. How big is this guy? That guy is the size of a grain of rice. Tiny. Yeah, tiny. So every animal fills up your frame. That's right. He's Small as, or large. He's as big as a polar bear. Why That's do you do that? Like, because it gives them all equal say, equal voice. The big charismatic mammals get all the ink. They get all the press. The gorillas and the rhinos and the tigers. Nobody's thinking about these little guys. I am. Sartori shot another little guy believed to be the very last member of a now-extinct species. That's the last Rab's fringe limb frog. What's that like, knowing that this animal will not exist anymore shortly after you take the picture? Well, does it make me sad? Sure. But does it inspire me to go out and keep working like I do? Absolutely. We put this together in my office. This just shows you what rodents can look like and what parrots look like. Biodiversity in, in a glance, just primates. Wow. And we've done a lot more since then. We can go out farther and farther and farther. Hundreds of species, thousands of species, just amphibians. There's so much diversity, but wow. you'd never Look know it. You'd never know it. So you've been doing this how long now? 12 years. How many species have you photographed? 8,255, but who's counting? You're about halfway through. Yeah. And you're how old now? 55, almost 56. Tick, 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 tick. Just as loud as that 60 minutes stopwatch, baby. Time's running out. It is. But you know, at least my life will be spent doing something that's hopefully mattered to the world.
Now, an update on two previous 60 Minutes stories. Ten years ago, Anderson Cooper traveled to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, where a civil war had become a war against women. The weapon used to destroy them? Rape. Dr. Dennis Mukwege, a gynecological surgeon, operated on and treated thousands of women who had been victims of sexual violence. All these women have been raped? Yeah. They've all been patients of yours? Yeah. Four years ago in northern Iraq, Scott Pelley reported how ISIS also used sexual violence as a weapon against women. What happened? Nadia Murad, a young woman from the Yazidi religious minority, with her face disguised in fear of retribution, told us how she was forced into sexual slavery by the Islamic State. ISIS used the local villagers' trucks, started loading up 16 to 20 women at a time and taking us away. Nine days ago, Nadia Murad and Dr. Dennis Mukwege jointly won the Nobel Peace For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition wherever you get your books. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Are you a fan of 60 Minutes? You can represent the most watched series on television with shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and more at ParamountShop.com. You can take 20% off with code MINUTES20. That's 20% off at checkout on all 60 Minutes products with code MINUTES20 at ParamountShop.com.